You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. You can get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at blueberry.com. That's like a blueberry without the E's. So it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Wishing you a very happy Easter or happy Passover weekend. This is the Into Tomorrow broadcast for the weekend of Friday, uh, April 15th which is also Good Friday as far as that date goes, and Tax Day, and and I, I thought you told me it was something else last hour. I don't think so. I forgot. But anyway. Uh, Every Friday is a good Friday. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the start of the weekend, yeah. which is why we use the Friday date. I like to occasionally mention that when people say, yeah, but what is, why do you tell us that? Well, because maybe you called into the show and you want to hear your call again, or you want to hear someone else's call and our answers because you were busy driving or something. We always give you the Friday date leading into the weekend, mainly because many of our affiliates air the program on Saturdays, several on Sundays, and very many on Saturday and Sunday at different times, so different audiences. So we always use the Friday dates. There you go. So if you hear something and you want more info or you want the links and that kind of thing, in this case, you would visit into tomorrow.com and look for the show for the weekend of Friday, April 15th, 2022. Unless you're listening to a really old broadcast um, and it was maybe last year or something. Right. But it's all there for you at intotomorrow.com. Yeah. Yeah. We got some tech news and commentary for you. Rob in Rhode Island standing by and a bunch of other listeners participating and in fact making the show with their involvement. In the meantime, we talked last hour a little bit about uh, Discovery Plus and uh, their their merger. Well, the parents of HBO Max and Discovery Plus have officially completed their merger, allowing Warner Media and Discovery to build what the companies have said will be quote the most differentiated content portfolio in the world. Baloney. <laughs> Investors talk are, about overhyping. Yeah. <laughs> Investors approve the multi-billion-dollar deal uh, that will allow AT and T, Warner Media's current owner, to offload its content powerhouse to Discovery and form a new business under the name Warner Brothers Discovery. How original. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, they really stretched for that one, didn't yeah. they? Uh, Discovery president and CEO David Zaslov was set to helm the new company. The agreement will allow AT&T to pay off its gargantuan debt while positioning Discovery as a more formidable competitor in the streaming and studio space. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least Discovery over the years has had some interesting stuff to watch. Yeah. It's one of the few streaming services I actually pay for. Really? I don't just wow. share off somebody else's page. But don't I mean, you have I, Discovery Channel already on some service? I don't, what? because I oh. cut the cord. Oh. All of my content is streaming. Oh. How do you keep track of it all? I don't. You don't. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> well, if you've been having some issues with your Pixel phone, listen up. Google's latest Pixel updates aim to fix some common glitches, finally, including the green screen in camera previews and the zoom on front-facing camera previews on Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. The update will also address system UI crashes and various issues on Pixel 3a and newer smartphones. So 
there you go. I mean, they're all Android devices, of course, because they're Google. But I know you'll say, just get an iPhone. You should just get an iPhone. No. If not you want a so. phone that works and is way overpriced, get an iPhone. Thank you very much. <laughs> However, if you want a phone that the vast majority of the world has, get an Android. Well, see, that's the thing. I'm not that much of a follower. <laughs> okay. So you're calling the rest of us sheep? Yeah. No. Not so. Just You're iPhonies. You can continue to be an iPhony if that's if that makes you happy. I'm only an iPhony because I've been using the iPhone since 2007. When they Why came did out. you ever? You used to use Android. Why did you ever oh, switch? I never used an Android. You I, went I, from Web OS. I had a Palm. I went from my Palm device to an uh, iPhone. I see. Well. That was your mistake. I only used an Android for a short time, and when I had like the iPhone three or whatever, and it, it died on me, and I wasn't eligible for an upgrade yet, so I couldn't buy a new iPhone. And we had an old Android phone, an LG something, laying around here. In One the, of my hand me downs yeah. or something. So I yeah. put it on, and that's when I that's when I really found out that I absolutely hate Android. Well, that's not very nice. Android <laughs> talks highly of you, and it was probably you know some early version anyway, a cupcake or you know <laughs> ding dong, whatever whatever snack food they were <laughs> ding on. Ding dong. Oh my god! You know, the ding dongs, the little Debbie. Yes, 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 I know. <laughs> Their early versions of Android were always a dessert of some yes. sort, and I'm sure it wasn't ding dong, but you know, in my head, that's what it is. Gotcha. <sighs> Do you have a story you yeah. can share? <laughs> Apple, Apple has reportedly sent out a memo to Apple stores and authorized providers not to accept a device for repair if they get a notice on their internal Mobile Genius or GSX systems that the phone had been marked as missing. Presumably, that means technicians will check a device's IMEI against the GSMA device registry. It's a lot of uh, acronyms. Yeah. Uh, when a customer brings it in for repair. Now, that registry is a global database where owners can register their device and designate a status for the item as to whether it's been lost or stolen. The move expands Apple's existing policy to decline repairs for devices whose owners cannot disable the Find My iPhone feature. It could discourage more people from buying second-hand devices outside of official and authorized sources in case they unknowingly end up with a stolen unit. Now, that said, users could just as easily go buy a third-party repair shop that doesn't care where they got their devices from. That's true. And they would fix it anyway for them. Yeah. Because they don't ask dumb questions. Exactly. And they're not, air quote, geniuses. Yeah. Well, it's like when you go <laughs> sell something at a pawn shop and they just ask you, is it stolen? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're, well, see, we're required to at least ask you. You're yeah. not required to tell us the truth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, we're required to ask you, though. Uh -huh. oh, gee, what can you do? A team from Chalmers University of Technology in Sweden has developed a new power system that generates solar power and stores it as a liquid for up to 18 years. See, huh. right as I've signed a contract to put solar panels on the roof, we, you maybe should hold out for this stuff the molecular solar thermal or most solution uses carbon hydrogen and nitrogen molecules to generate power that can be released as needed with the assistance of a catalyst the system is ideal they say for low power electronics like our smartphones and tablets and things now there, that's into tomorrow. It's not available yet, but yeah. well, see, I just I have a nine year old with endless energy, so I thought about putting like one of those big hamster wheel kind of things in my house and just say, "Here, go at it." Well, it's funny <laughs> because I gave you guys a um, a treadmill, and he loves walking on it. So yeah. just hook that up and generate some power. There you go. <laughs> at least you made sure that he knows never, ever, ever to get on the treadmill without shoes, 
And he always has to clip the emergency shutoff yes. to his shirt. He does. So when he, God forbid, falls, it stops. Speaking of power, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is investigating safety defects in lithium-ion cells made by LG Energy Solutions after a string of recalls since February 2020. The most high-profile of these has been Chevrolet, which has had to recall more than 141,000 Bolt electric vehicles. Oh! Still, there have also been recalls for the Hyundai Kona EV, Smart for Two electric, Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, and last month, some Volkswagen ID.4s due to problems with those LG-made cells. Chevrolet's Bolt recall probably gained the most attention due to the risk of fire, which remains a public concern regarding electric vehicles. LG strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough because, unfortunately, electric vehicles are much more prone to fire because of their huge batteries. So you've got to be careful, but LG, <laughs> wonderful. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a lot of vehicles to be recalling and have that issue. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Veritone, Trinity Audio, and Aflorhythmic Labs are among a growing group of firms using artificial intelligence to replicate the pitches and rhythms of human voices, a technology that brands could use for everything from voiceovers, hey, and advertisements to signature personas and sonic branding. Leaders say they get consent before creating voice clones, and they have plans to develop some ethics standards. But at the moment, I'm still a real voice. For now. (laughs) Yeah. I know you're already planning one. I'm gone. The show continues with Fake Dave. Yep. (laughs) Nice. Well, after 27 years of saying pretty much everything we could possibly say in tech, I guess you could put whole shows together. Yeah, I think he's just going to rerun the shows from 96, see if anybody notices. They might, because we will have had some new tech since then. Yeah. Do you think? Probably. Okay. And considering, you know, our first show was talking about, you know, brand new DVDs, you know, people probably... No, it was this brand new technology called DVD. That Sony said didn't stand for anything. Yeah. (laughs) No, they said CD didn't stand for anything. (laughs) And I said, I beg your pardon? Didn't you guys invent the CD? Well, of course. Okay, so compact disc? And then that rep at one point went, oh, right, of course, of course. Because they were trying to tout that DVD wasn't digital video disc. It was digital versatile disc. And really, it's just DVD. Everybody knows. It doesn't stand for anything. But it did stand for those two things. It's like CES. It doesn't stand for anything. The Chinese electronic show. COVID electronic show. COVID electronic show. Exactly. (laughs) Boy, do they hate it when we say the consumer electronic show. Everybody says that because they think, they being Gary Shapiro, the president of CTA, the company that runs it, has such an ego that he thinks everyone on the planet knows what CES is. You know, forget the fact that they're not everybody in the industry or everybody in the media covering that industry. Enough of an ego, for crying out loud. We had a a caller about a month ago that called in and, you know, asking about the computer electronics show. Yes, that's true. (laughs) So there's proof that people don't really know what CES stands for. Yes. I mean, it used to just be Consumer Electronics Show, and then they insisted that we in the media all call it the International Consumer Electronics Show because IFA was getting more and more popular as being the longest-running consumer tech show anyway since 1926. 
But so then they wanted international consumer electronics show, and then finally they said, "Yeah, you know what? Doesn't stand for anything." CES. Everybody on the planet knows what CES is. No, they don't, Gary. Get over yourself. Go write a book. <laughs> yeah, go ghostwrite another book. I mean, oh well. Can you tell that I'm not his favorite? Yeah, that's probably why he had armed guards outside his office or off-duty police officers yes. standing outside his office at CES <laughs> at the Consumer Electronics Show. Correct. The COVID electronic show, yeah. that COVID super spreader right. that we were at. And the only thing we caught there was our flight home, thank God. Yeah. But, yeah, that was strange. Never was that the case before. And this was so poorly attended, there wasn't anybody there to worry about, except yeah. me, I guess. And he had off-duty police officers outside his you know, temporary office door at CES. It's like, please, get over yourself. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, the Center for Countering Digital Hate, <laughs> yeah, there is such a thing, or CCDH, is a nonprofit organization that combats online uh, harassment and misinformation. They found that Instagram, which of course is owned by Meta, the parent company of Facebook, has been negligent in its response to misogynistic harassment. In one shocking statistic, the Center for Countering Digital Hate found that Instagram didn't act on 90% of abuse sent via direct message to the women in this particular study, despite the messages being reported to moderators, 90%, who then did nothing about it. So I'm glad that they went after them. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least there's something that maybe they actually should work with and deal with. Who knows? Rob on Block Island, Rhode Island, listens online and to our free Into Tomorrow podcast. Say, hey, Rob. My computer doesn't have a disk drive, so I want to buy one that I can plug into the USB port. That's probably a pretty easy answer for you, and it's probably pretty inexpensive, but I'd love to hear your recommendation. Okay. And question number two is, I have a portable audio system with a mini jack for the auxiliary input. I want to use the system to play a long music mix, maybe three or four hours long, Yikes. that I have on a USB drive. Is it possible that you could recommend that outboard disk drive, which itself has a USB input, into which I could plug that music miss USB so that it plays on the audio system. Or if I'm trying to do too much with too few things, <laughs> is there another way to get music from that USB into the mini jack? Is there such a thing as a cord that is a USB female on one end and a mini male on the other that my audio system will know just to... Play the music. Wow. Well, we're completely out of time. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Good questions, though. I think they really had us doing some digging there, Rob. Uh, external disk drives, first of all, are very standard and compatible across the board. But if you're looking for something that'll work as effortlessly as possible, then you can get one made by your computer's manufacturer. Every manufacturer, from LG to Lenovo to Dell to Apple and everyone in between, does sell their own external CD-DVD drives. Now, that's not strictly necessary. They are standard and should be compatible with any device. 
And these drives are a very mature technology, if you will, to the point of being largely obsolete these days. So you can't really go wrong no matter which you choose. And you'll see a price range from about $25 to around 100 bucks. There's no real harm in staying close to the low end unless you plan to use the drive a lot. Now, in terms of piping audio to a mini audio jack, you can find players on Amazon for as little as $15 that will take a USB input and typically have some awful tiny built-in speaker and an audio out jack. Now, that might be the way to go. You can just ignore the speaker and use it as an audio pass-through interface. Uh, for example, a Hemoblow mini speaker sells for about $17 on Amazon. It's called Hemoblow? Hemoblow. Okay. It's H-E-M-O-B-L-L-O. Okay, yeah. two L's. Yeah. All right. Um, so, no, we've never heard of that brand before, and we likely never will again. Yeah. Uh, but it's really a glorified adapter that lets you press play and then decodes the MP3 audio for you before piping it to a speaker. Okay, so it's a mini speaker, but we're just going to use it, in Rob's case, as yeah, kind of a go-between. the audio through, yeah. Okay. Um, now, a compact MP3 player with an FM tuner literally being sold as compact mp3 player with fm tuner yeah. uh, without even using a made-up brand name goes for about 22 dollars right now so rob do please let us know what you ended up with because i'm sure it'll help other listeners with similar quandaries all the way into tomorrow.com LifeCare provides valuable whole life insurance to cover final expenses such as medical bills burial costs and unpaid debt A final expense insurance policy is fast, easy, affordable life insurance that's available to anyone between the ages of 50 and 80. No medical exams, no lengthy questionnaires, and no waiting period. The application process is quick and easy. You can even apply without having to undergo a medical examination. Just answer a few questions and we'll do the rest. With the average funeral cost skyrocketing to $11,000 and Social Security only paying $255, you need simple, affordable peace of mind for you and your whole family. Don't leave behind unpaid expenses, expenses that, if left unattended, will burden your family tremendously. Benefits include a guaranteed premium that will never increase, a guaranteed cash value, and a guaranteed death benefit that can never decrease. To find out how you can get final expense insurance with a guaranteed lifetime rate log, call LifeCare at Hoping you're having a very happy Easter weekend or Passover weekend. Thanks for tuning in to tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And I forgot that I was going to do something special. Call in, win stuff. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Cameron. Reminding us, he's 10 years old now already. Holy moly. And if you stay tuned, next segment we'll, uh, we'll tell you the kind of stuff you can call in and win. Oh, there's a deal. I think for that reason alone, I shall stay tuned. I think you should. All right. We take our ability to move around for granted, but that can change, unfortunately, in an instant from a stroke. New options for rehab can make recovery faster and less expensive. With this week's Into Tomorrow Health Tech Minute brought to you by MarPay, here's Alfred Poor. Thanks, Dave. Strokes are a leading cause of disability in the U.S., and every 40 seconds, someone suffers a stroke in this country. And many victims are left with impaired mobility. The standard treatment requires many trips to a rehab center to work with a physical therapist to recover the lost motor skills. A new study shows 
that a combination of telehealth sessions and in-home therapy can produce equivalent results in less time at a lower cost. Patients are given a video game called Recovery Rapids that senses the movement of the player. The game requires them to control a kayak by moving their bodies and by simulating the movements of rowing and paddling. One test group had five hours of telehealth sessions along with self-managed gaming, while a control group spent 35 hours in a clinical setting with a trained therapist. At the end of the study, both groups had equivalent results. The home group spent less time with therapists and the overall cost was significantly lower. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Alfred Poor. Back to you, Dave. Thank you very much, Alfred. The Into Tomorrow Health Tech Minute is brought to you by MarPay, powering employer health plans with AI intended to lower costs. Be sure to visit MARPAIHealth.com and be sure to sign up for Alfred's Health Tech Insider. It's a free weekly newsletter by visiting HealthTechInsider.com. And if you like free weekly newsletters, you can also sign up for our free weekly newsletter at intotomorrow.com. Just enter your email address in the box. It'll pop up. Again, that's intotomorrow.com. Nothing is more important than protecting your family and property. That's why you should make a free call right now to Vivint, the number one smart home services provider in the U.S. Vivint will make your home safer and more secure with a state-of-the-art system that's so simple to use. Vivint smart home specialists provide award-winning monitoring of your system 24-7, 365 to respond to any emergency, even when you can't. And with the 4.5-star rated Vivint smart home mobile app, control your entire house from anywhere. Locks, cameras, security system, all at your fingertips on your mobile device. Call Vivint now and get a free quote, professional installation, and full smart home service for as little as $2 per day. Equipment purchase or service agreement required. Conditions apply. Call now. A smart home is a safer home. So protect your family and your property, home or business, with a Vivint smart home system. Call 800-689-3005. 800-689-3005. That's 800-689-3005. 800-689-3005. Hi guys, back to Cameron Graveline, and if you have any questions about tech, don't forget to ask Dave so he can ask me. Call 800-899-INTO or use the free Into Tomorrow app. Now back to the guys. (laughs) I think that's our favorite message from young Cameron, who just isn't so young anymore, but, but he's right. Just join us. Hit the Ask Dave mic button at intotomorrow.com on anything with a browser and a microphone. And participate that way. Or hit the Message to Studio button in the Into Tomorrow app. That's even easy enough and good. Or you can uh, be old-fashioned and call the 800 number, 800-899-INTO. You say old-fashioned. Yeah. It's because, well, that's true. Like, most of us don't use the phone as a phone anymore. Yeah. So I guess it's old-fashioned. You, you boomers and us Xers are pretty <laughs> much the only ones left that actually use the phone as phones. Yeah. That's true. And I, But rarely... I have friends that call me all the time, and I say, don't call me. Just send a text. Yeah. It's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. This is true. <laughs> or send me an email or a smoke signal or something. Yeah. But if you use one of those audio uh, options to let us hear you on the show, you can qualify to win some 
fabulous prizes. Call in, win stuff. Thank you. Oh, yeah? Like what kind of stuff? And by the way, make sure and tell them the legal part. Oh, yeah, because, you know, if you'd like any of these uh, prizes that we're about to list, no promises, no guarantees. But if you tell us when you call in... We will do our best to try to get that item to you. Maybe even a couple of those items, yeah. depending on availability and your involvement and, you know, how much fun we had with your call and that sort of stuff. You know, we, we do send the occasional prize to an emailer, but, you know, those tend to be, you know, pens and little uh, screen yeah. wipes. You know, we, we reserve the good prizes for those that let us hear them. So what are some of these available prizes this week when folks participate? Well, we've got the ever-popular Human Touch uh, Reflex 5S foot and calf massagers. Boy, and that is not over-exaggerating the ever-popular part. So many people, so many people have been asking for it that our friends from Human Touch said, okay, you know what, we'll we'll send some more because, sure, we want to share them with your audience and, and let them feel so much better. Their calves and feet and lower legs. Oh, my gosh, this thing is a dream. Once you get past the initial underfoot tickle, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But the underfoot tickle only bothered you on the one that they sent us to demonstrate. Yeah, Everyone else was like, oh, my gosh, it feels so good. Well, after, you know, the initial shock of, and the laughter, you know, I got through it. And How long it did it take? Anymore. Probably about uh, three minutes. About three <laughs> minutes. And then you were able to do like a 10-minute session, and it was wonderful. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, we also have from Sensation Performer Deluxe All-in-One Party Karaoke System. If you're one of those that likes to karaoke. We've got uh, protective silicone cases for Apple TV and Apple TV Siri remote from Ilago. From Skosh. PowerVolt USB-C mini fast chargers. We've also got some more of those cut-and-go Into Tomorrow branded emergency seat belt cutters and window breakers. We do, in fact. And from WGP Glasses, Bluetooth audio sunglasses to share with you. You see, there's always fun stuff that you win when we hear you on the show. So it's not like we're begging you to call in, but we would love to hear you. On the program, because your involvement, as I always say, really makes the show. It's nice to have guests, and maybe you enjoy some of our tech news and commentary. I hope you do. Whatever other things that we do. But when you call in with a great question, or two, or three, or you help another listener by contributing to our answers with your own experience, things of that nature, that really makes the show. Maybe you just want to share with us your favorite app these days, but why is it your favorite? Don't just say, well, here's my favorite app. Okay, great. That doesn't make it on the show. Tell us why you like it so much or dislike it. Warn our audience. Hey, don't waste your time with this. I had to spend 99 cents on it and it's a waste or whatever. But tell us about it. And is the app available for iOS and Android or just one or the other? You know, give us some info and we'll share that with our audience. It's what we do. And this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by Dexcom. Always know where your glucose is headed and how fast. Visit dexcom.com. I got a kick out of this that I thought I'd share with our audience. New York Times executive editor Dean Baquette says he wants Times reporters to spend less time on Twitter. Okay. Relying too much on Twitter is especially harmful to our journalism, he says, when our feeds become echo chambers. Okay. Baquette said in a letter to staff this past week, he says uh, that just enough already. Too much time on Twitter. But they call what they do journalism? That's the part that confused me. Mm -hmm. That jumped out at me and said, well, it's not journalism. 
It's all one-sided, you morons at New York Times. But it's apparently spending too much time on Twitter is part of the problem. Well, that's a problem for everybody. Everybody needs to spend less time on Twitter. Yeah, Elon. No, <laughs> Elon, buy them out. Shut them yeah. down. And then put everybody back on. <laughs> yeah, spend less time on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all of them. Just All the anti-social just media. Dump social media. Yeah. Well, but come on. Most people listening, including us... Wouldn't dump it all together. In fact, I have two friends that two years ago... You have two friends? I I do have two friends. (laughs) I have two in particular that about two or three years ago for Lent, they decided to give up social media, all social media, and they never went back. Really? How long ago? It was like three years, two, three years ago. Well, but then they don't get any information about what's going on in the world. That's probably why they stayed stayed off. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Well, that may very well be the point. Yeah. Because how hard is it to otherwise avoid all the nonsense news and the fake news and the, you know, the bizarre stories and stuff you don't really want to know about? Well, it was like a year and a half ago. I took about a week off Facebook, which turned into a month. It was the most peaceful month of my life. I don't know why I ever came back. But you're back on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, not as nearly as often. Oh, okay. Well, that gives me a, a, a time to remind our audience that if you follow me on any of the various plethora of anti-social media and you mention Into Tomorrow, I will follow you back. It's only fair. So on, uh, let's see, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, LinkedIn, uh, Parler, I guess, anything and everything that you can think of at Dave Graveline as one word, the at sign, Dave Graveline. Follow me. I'll follow you back. Just mention the show, and I know you're a listener. Is Parler still around? I think so. <laughs> Are they? I know Donald I Trump's know. new new thing apparently has been uh, not doing as well as they've had. Executives have been leaving. Truth and, social. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've heard that you know, Donald Trump himself isn't even you know posting as often as oh, wait, and it's his thing? To. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oops. Yeah, see, all the more reason Elon needs to just buy out hostile takeover Twitter. And then get everybody back on the platform and, you know, open up free speech again. I hope he's going to be the free speech hero. Yeah. I mean, I know you have, you know, people like uh, Mike Lindell, which I think tried to do his own thing. And be the able, pillow guy? Yeah. Yeah. That didn't work out for him either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> was it frank speech or something like that? Yeah. Was that what it was? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh-huh. you, you can like, speak frankly. I, it was, you know, not the best name. But isn't, but isn't his name Mike? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably why it didn't work. Yeah. Well, there is that. But speaking of social media, Meta is following the Oversights Board recommendation to remove an exception that permitted users to share a person's residential address as long as it was, quote, publicly available. Oh. Meta's response comes about a year after the company asked the Oversight Board to weigh in on its handling of private residential information. The board issued a response calling on Meta to tighten its policies surrounding the sharing of private home addresses over concerns about doxing. Although Facebook and Instagram have already rules in place to bar users from sharing someone's home address, the meta-owned platforms take no action against posts containing, quote, publicly available addresses. Yeah, but your addre- everybody's address is publicly available well, in, in public county records. Well, by meta standards, this means any address that has been published in five or more news outlets or have been made, a public by, or made available by public records. Oh. Meta says that it will end this exception, quote, by the end of the year. By the end of the year. (laughs) Like, what's the point of waiting? Right. Why not just do it now? Yeah. (laughs) Especially if they think that's a problem. And guess what? That's a problem. I mean, we have certain laws in some states here in Florida. As a former police officer, I don't have to list my address anywhere. And it should not be in any public record. Because, come on, the people I put in jail over the years, you know, would certainly want to get back at you. 
Yeah. You arrested me. It's your fault. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't do the crime if you can't do the yeah. time. Well, you know, and I wondered, my, you know, all my information you know, was out there on, on the web and, I, and, and available. And I always wondered how my information got out there until I realized that I spent a couple of years serving on some committees in the town locally. And anybody can request any of that information. Just just sending an email to somebody that was involved with the town. Now my email address is part of public record. Hmm. Things that people don't think about. Well, that'll teach you to help your community. Exactly. (laughs) That's why I stopped. I'm not nice anymore. I see. How about this? In streaming entertainment news that will surely enhance your life, Netflix is introducing two thumbs up. Oh, yeah. I've seen that on some of my things. It's an additional way for users to let the streamer know what types of shows and movies they want to see more of. Now Netflix users see the option to tap on a two-thumbs-up button, which sits alongside the existing thumbs-up button and thumbs-down buttons on a TV show or a movie's page. This signal will then be used to further personalize Netflix's recommendations, including... Through new features that have yet to launch, they say. The director of product innovation at Netflix said, We've heard from members that there's a difference between something they liked and something that they really loved. And I have actually clicked the two thumbs up on have a few you? things. Mostly the, some of the crime documentaries I have. Yeah. They do, Netflix does have some cool crime documentaries these days. He says we're giving them more control and agency over what is being shown to them. Yes, yes, you click it, and it says, love this. Does so, it? So you can, I the guess, two thumbs up right, or so you, love you can, this. You can dislike, like, or love. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is that like the Hagen dazs uh, love it, uh, like it, uh, bowls? No, that's, that's um, uh, the other one. The other cold Stoltz Stone Creamery. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that shows you how I often I go out cold, for ice cream. But that's, uh, that's the wrestler. It, yeah. It, cold, cold Stone, stone Creamery. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, there is that, too. Um, wow. But that's kind of interesting, I guess. You know, why not get two thumbs up on something if you like? If you yeah. really, really like it. If Into Tomorrow was on Netflix, I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, be sure to love us, won't you, at intotomorrow.com. This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. Get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at Blueberry.com. It's like a blueberry without the E's. So B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. And into tomorrow, a little tech fact that might help you out. If you point your car keys to your head, I usually just kind of stick the remote under my chin. It increases the remote's signal range. This works by using your brain to act as a radio transmitter that's and why, your skull. That's why it doesn't work for me. Yeah. you got to have a you brain. You have to have a brain. It doesn't right. work through that, all that air. Yeah. He's Chris Graveline. He's Dave Graveline. And this portion of Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline is brought to you in part by StreamGuys, streaming media solutions for the smartest businesses on the internet. Visit StreamGuys.com. Let's go to Atlanta, Georgia. Madeline listens on AM 920, The Answer. Hey, Madeline. First of all, I just want to say I love y'all's show. You guys make me laugh, and I learn things, so well, I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I just had a question about different VPNs. I understand that with every computer, you should have anti-virus 
software. What is the best on that? That's one question. And the second question is, what's the best VPN? Right now, I have Norton, and sometimes I think it causes me trouble. I've heard different people say because it can cause the computer not to work as well as it should and block me from sites where I don't want it to block me from. But also, I was considering ExpressVPN. What's the difference between like that and, say, Norton? Because I think Norton doesn't block or doesn't give the anti-trackers unless I buy that service, although they have the VPN. But ExpressVPN, from what I understand, provides the anti-tracker included in the VPN. If you could explain the difference to me, I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure, Madeline. And again, thank you for the kind words. We unfortunately, though, have less than great news here. Most consumer VPN companies, or virtual private network, if you will, are fronts for a few underlying corporate giants that bought them all years ago. For example, if you use IPVanish, StrongVPN, EncryptMe, SaferVPN, OverplayVPN, VPN, VPN Hub, yeah, there's more. Name Cheap's VPN, Tweak News VPN, Easy News VPN, or News Hostings VPN. Whew. You're using the same VPN operated by a company named J2. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. So that's the case for the overwhelming majority of providers. And there are others that are two-person operations running leased servers off of places like Panama to minimize the chance of logging. And the main difference behind something like Norton's VPN and something like ExpressVPN is that Norton's main business is still outside of VPNs. And they're going through the motions of providing a VPN service without really trying too hard. People who use their service often report issues with streaming services, their speeds are not great, and more worryingly, it leaks DNS data and doesn't work properly with IPv6. Oh, and DNS is domain name server information. Now, unfortunately, ExpressVPN was bought by Cape Technologies, who has a less-than-stellar track record when it comes to privacy. So avoiding ExpressVPN for now may not be the worst thing in the world. NordVPN is still independent and reasonably well-reviewed and blocks trackers. So that may be a good option for you. The same goes for Proton VPN. Just remember that all of these companies are constantly bought by corporate entities that want the user counts and do not care about your privacy. So check often and make sure that you're still paying who you think you're paying for for the service that you think you're paying for. Huh? Yeah. No, I get the point. Exactly. And Madeline, it's a shame because we talked years ago when VPNs were just coming into reality and very popular. They were pretty much all legit and helpful. And I used a VPN all the time when traveling in China, for example, because otherwise I couldn't access any social media or Google or, you know, anything like that. So I always used a VPN in traveling. But you just have to be much more careful these days. All of our notes and all the stuff we talked about are available for you at intotomorrow.com. Just look for the weekend of April 15th, 2022. I can't let diabetes get in my way. So here's what I do. I wear the Dexcom G6. 
It continuously sends my glucose numbers to my phone. And the arrow shows me where I'm headed and how fast. Without finger sticks or scanning, making it much easier to keep my glucose in range. The more time I spend in range, the better I feel. And the more I can cross off my list. Don't let diabetes get in your way. Check out Dexcom.com slash in range. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G6 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Welcome back into tomorrow. Hopefully you're celebrating a very happy Passover this weekend or Easter and delighted that you've tuned into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by our podcast partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. Check them out if you're looking to start your own podcast. Visit blubrry.com. Jeff in St. Cloud, Minnesota is participating with the free Into Tomorrow app, and we love you for it. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys, really enjoy listening to your show. Wonderful system that you guys have set up for helping people. And I'm looking for a Wi-Fi system for my house. It's a 3,600 square foot, three-story house. My Wi-Fi system that I have now doesn't always pick up in all the corners properly. And I'm just looking for something, whatever's the best out there to uh, help out with a house of this size. I would appreciate any help you can give me. Well, Jeff, it'll be our pleasure to help you out. 3,600 square feet is probably a bit too much for a single router to handle reliably. So we think your best option is to buy a mesh system. Mesh systems consist of several different devices that you place in different parts of your house To get full coverage, each component is an individual access point, but the system works as a single Wi-Fi network. So you don't have to worry about switching networks depending on which part of the house you're in at the time. You just connect to one, and the mesh network hands off the connection to the component with the best signal in the background. I've got one of these uh, mesh systems at my house, a two-story townhouse, got one unit downstairs, one unit upstairs, and I get perfect signal everywhere. Yeah, Yeah, you didn't before then. You had all kind of trouble upstairs. Um, Now, there are several systems that you can look into. Google's Nest Wi-Fi system is probably about as cheap as they get. Um, A three-point system will cost you about $350. An Eero three-pack will cost you considerably more. Think around $600. Um, A Netgear Orbi with Wi-Fi 6 support will add another digit. That's the one I use, but I don't have the Wi-Fi 6 yet. You do. You have the, the yeah. newer Nor- or Orbi with the Wi-Fi 6. It adds another digit, meaning $700? Yeah. Or 601 <laughs> Probably 601 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now, no matter which system you choose, you can always add more access points as you go. So you may be able to start off with a two-point system and see if that happens to work for you. But given the size of your home, it's likely that you'll need at least three access points. Yeah. And, and you may move those access points around based on the better coverage. You might find certain areas in the house that are blocked by certain walls or, or a basement or something of that nature. So experiment with them a little bit. Yeah, and I'd recommend with a three-story house, you might want to look at a system with at least three access points. So you put one on each level. Yeah. And you probably can't go wrong there, even though you still might move them around a little bit and then get to those sweet spots, if you will. Meantime, join us at intotomorrow.com, won't you? All three hours.